0: I'm Dr. Pete Economo, the East Coast Psychologist.
1: And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin, the West Coast Psychologist.
0: And this is when East
1: meets West.
0: Well, here we are with one another of those tribute episodes. Um, hey, Nikki. Hey,
1: Pete. Yeah, it's kind of, I was, um, I was thinking how odd that we've, uh, just in such short succession, lost another, uh, very, uh, wise old great teacher from the things that we talk about and obviously today we're talking about um, Thich Nhat Hanh.
0: Yes so Thich Nhat Hanh brings us some of the eastern side of, of our east east west and um, what we're also referencing is our episode on Aaron Beck and so today we're going to bring to you some of the legendary teachings and just the story of Thich Nhat Hanh who uh, recently passed away in 2022. And, uh, Nikki, of course, this was her brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just, just you're, nice the you're the
1: brains. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's true. Well, with, why don't you tell our listeners, um, who he is just like a, just very briefly. Cause I'm sure some people actually don't even know. Um, like when we're saying that name, they're probably like, who, who passed on? Who are we talking about?
0: Well, I mean, he is a Buddhist monk. Uh, he's from Viet- Vietnam and, uh, I think I, I certainly in our description note, we'll have a link to his, uh, to want to, to maybe to his Sangha, which is the Plum Village tradition. And so in Buddhism, which might be helpful for some listeners. So Thidna Han is probably one of the most, I mean, probably second to the Dalai Lama, if not even, you know, arguably above. But of course, in Buddhism, there are no rankings.
1: Right. Correct.
0: That would just be judgment. Go
1: yeah, kind of go against the the intentions, right? It would go against the intention.
0: Yeah. And so, but yeah, he's that well known. I mean, that he was certainly a scholar, um, a Buddhist monk. He was ordained at a young age, uh, at, at age of 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, he really published, I don't know, do we, do you even know how many books?
1: I, I I don't, but he but he's written, you know, his I I recommend his books quite a bit to patients. Yeah, me too. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, because uh, you know, there's just sort of um, I would say he, he had a very, uh, eloquent yet simple way of speaking. Right. So like these concepts are, of course, you know, we, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, like these concepts are, you know, brain herders, you know, it's like, not, not an eloquent (laughs) saying that I use quite a bit, but, um, the, the things that Buddhism is addressing can often, just it's very hard for our minds to, um, you know, understand or integrate, and I think that he had uh, just such a gift for um, communicating those concepts. Uh, like I said, with eloquence and simplicity, um, yes. for anyone to access. You know, myself included. You know,
0: very accessible. That's I like that you use that word. The anything he wrote was very accessible. So uh, I I didn't find a number of books, but I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll there's many of them, and, mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. of them are good. But also other teachings. And so um, over this past week, I found. They were streaming a lot of the services, uh, so We'll we'll remind our audience that you're not big into social media, and so maybe you have, <laughs> maybe you didn't get to see that. I did see? not. know. There's, there's yeah. a fault. There would the, be a there's a potential sure. negative of. So what the
1: uh, you know pros and cons to everything, right? Pros and cons <laughs> <Yeah>. to everything, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Uh, but they were streaming the services, which was really yeah. beautiful to be able to watch it because I, I you know Buddhists look at death much differently than right. the West, uh, than we do here in the yes. West, and and yes. we'll talk a little bit about that today, but this linking of these two episodes. So, uh, you know, we, we had this episode uh, honoring Aaron Beck, who really was the founder of our cognitive world here in the West. Um, And then now Thich Nhat Hanh, we can really think of him as a founder of the Eastern world. That was really landed well in the West. You know, a lot of, a lot Mm -hmm. of what's important for listeners to understand is that while Eastern traditions have been around forever, I mean, since the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a historian. (laughs)
1: Well, I, I think we can say, you know, we can probably make that educated guess because, you know, it's like we could say like Buddhism, right? Um, that we that's been written down or whatever passed orally down right. has been like about twenty five hundred years, but you know, the stuff extends beyond that, right? There's Way things beyond. in you know, like in yoga, for example. I think some of the stuff, some of the teachers are like five thousand years old. It's right. like, and 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 then where did that come from? Like, we can just the stuff is. This stuff is old guys this stuff is
0: very old, old. This
1: stuff is very old yeah
0: and hasn't always landed well in 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 the west you know I think okay. there's been lots of uh scrutiny around it uh and you know certainly like religious warfares I know that they're what oh I read this but what's the mm-hmm. the yogi the like the first kind of yoga gentleman that brought yoga to the west I'm picturing the book
1: Oh, I'm, I know who you're talking. I'm also having a blank. Um, yeah. He actually came to Los Angeles. He did. Yeah, That's exactly yes, he, where he yes. landed.
0: Yogi yeah. There was,
1: there was a great article about him in the Los Angeles Times. Um, it was a few months ago. I've, of course, yeah. I'm uh, forgetting that name. Yeah. But that was, uh, it was about a hundred years ago, actually. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we'll, I'll, I'll have that by the end of today. But in any... Um, the autobiography of a yogi? Is it that one? The. Yogan- <laughs> Pete, Pete's
1: working in real time here. He I does. am. He's hey. A, yeah, he's, a, he's, he's working in real time. Yes. Yeah, so but we'll, but I, I think the point that you're trying to make is that, um you know, these concepts haven't always um been well understood or Correct. well received in, in Western culture. Right. Obviously we're speaking, we're in the United States. So we're spe- specifically, excuse me, speaking to American culture. Yes. And I think part of that again, has to do with, again, not in a right or wrong way, just in terms of the way, um, you know, Western approaches to thinking have historically been very, they're very linear, right. They're very, they're very, very oftentimes rigid, right. (laughs) Yes. Oftentimes rigid, And so, you know, and again, we all have linearness in us, right. Mm -hmm. It's just that Eastern approaches are actively addressing this and, and, and instead of sort of viewing it as the right way to do things more sort of approach it with, um, you know, sometimes skepticism, right? It's like, saying, yes. oh, maybe this doesn't work so well, you know. And so um, you know, that on coming, you know, I think when he one of the first, and I didn't, by the way, know this until I was reading, um, surprised I didn't know this. Uh, I was reading some of the obituaries about him. He uh when he he came to the United States and did a lot of work with Martin mm-hmm. Luther King.
0: Yes. Yeah, there's a there there's there is a link between some well, because a lot of that was around peace.
1: Yes, you know, and uh-huh. so some
0: some of the um, you know pr- uh, um, first kind of Buddhist teachings were really around as uh, peace, which is why in today's world I get a little stuck. Where in Sri Lanka there are some Buddhists that are really. Yes. Um, Forging war uh, upon uh, Muslim or Islam practitioners, and so that goes against the teachings. And so, certainly, that's why Thich Nhat Khan worked, um, you know, closely with uh, Martin Luther King. Um, so, really, a lot of his commitment has been around, you know, peace, compassion, mm-hmm. uh, trying to help people. Also just learn about meditation, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. in a very basic way. Uh, Mm -hmm. Also like ecology type stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. learning about, uh, there's a lot of stuff around your environment Mm
1: -hmm. kind of keeping
0: peace within the environment, but also just uh, sustainability of the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he spoke to, uh, I think in those examples you're giving sort of, um, encouraging curiosity about our experiences in the world, right. Yes. So both in relationship to other people, but also to nature and the planet that we inhabit. Yeah. Um, I think just going back to what you said a moment ago about, you know, sort of, um, you know, where there are some, uh, I don't know, maybe we'd call them fundamentalist Buddhists potentially. Yeah. I think that's actually imp- important to sh- that you're sharing that with listeners because it's another example of, um, humans can become dogmatic about literally anything anything right so you're saying it goes yeah. against the teachings that's right like you know we could say that about any well-intentioned set of of practices or or rules or guidelines right that you know we'd say this about any um you know any of the world's major uh religions right like i mm-hmm. would say uh preach compassion and connectedness and yet every major religion in the world i i think has also a uh, engaged in discrimination at minimum and, 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 you know, war or, um, harming other people at, at maximum at worst. So, you know, it's just, I, I I say that only to, to bring in, like, you know, I think sometimes, um, it's funny on the flip side, I think in the West, we can also sometimes sort of also like put Buddhism on a pedestal, right? Like this is the best way to be. It's like the teachings are just saying like, let's just Get curious. Let's just understand how we work. It's just an, a way to access and understand our brains, but but the humans doing the interpreting and the practicing yes. are messy, you yeah. know.
0: Well, I love that you bring it into the West. I mean, that was really helpful to th- you know, because that's what we're all that's that's the struggle that people have and, and they're able to do. So i am got to read this quote that um that and how Titnat Han define Buddhism because I think that would also yeah. be helpful for listeners. Yeah, so, please, yeah. So Buddhism means to be awake, mindful of what is happening in one's body feelings, mind, and in the world. If you are awake, you cannot do otherwise than act compassionately to help relieve suffering you see around you. So Buddhism must be engaged in the world. If it is not engaged, it is not Buddhism. And so that's really beautiful because I mean, I think that that probably sums up when East meets West most succinctly.
1: Mm -hmm. or what we're trying to what we're trying to share
0: (laughs) (laughs) because it's really it's about coming into contact with what is
1: yes well our little you know our little tagline uh be present uh be brave right is actually that like coming into what is and then engaging
0: engaging right and then
1: right engaging engaging with what is and that's what we you know again it's the the western um uh -hmm. interpretation or or practice of of a lot of what uh, uh buddhism um teaches us is you know mm-hmm. in acceptance and commitment therapy and act and what is that about engaging in the world engaging in a world connecting with the world while simultaneously accepting that there is pain and discomfort in this world and in this life
0: and believe it or not nikki those teachings barred him from vietnam in the 60s so he, yeah
1: tell say more about that i i mean it's it's it is it's
0: i mean i don't know like, if i could say more other than the i mean what's what's the word expelled or what's the word when you're like
1: uh, Oh, oh, sure. Now I'm. I'm in the middle of my work day. I'm a little tired. I, uh, I forget. Yeah, that's why I
0: said he yeah. was Bart. Yeah, he barred, was Bart. It's anyway. He was because of the teachings that he was doing um, during the was, Vietnam War. During the Vietnam War, yeah. um, he was not allowed to come back into the country. So this was this was eventually lifted, uh, but that's because you know what he was doing was trying to be anti-war and trying to bring mm-hmm. peace and and just connection into the environment. And, and I mean, you know, the gifts that he gave us again will be around forever, which is really quite beautiful that we'll have that.
1: Yeah, and well, and maybe that's. Um an opportune time to talk a little bit about um sort of how Buddhism um understands or or talks about death and even how how Thich Nhat Hanh did because I know he he wrote um he wrote a he's written a whole, he wrote a book on this as well. Yes. Um yeah can you just share a little bit about that? Because you know again he I think it's important since he he has we're looking at it as he's died. He's passed right. on, but I think he he might not have said it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not okay. So teachings within Buddhism, um, uh, and I'm trying to think about. I was trying to find the book that he wrote. I think it was No Death, No Fear. I don't know. Yeah, I'll find it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's it it it's not sad. Um, it it's a transition into your next life, and so mm-hmm. really Buddhism has the belief that energy doesn't die, uh, and that you know our body is just a vehicle to bring us. Uh, between life and death on this life mm-hmm. uh, but that we transition that into another life into another being uh, you know once we are no longer alive in this life and so yeah Um. The, so the reincarnate I don't actually know the story so he was ordained as a monk in, in at 16 I don't think he was seen as an as a reincarnate I'm not 100 okay. sure of that so reincarnation so like the Dalai Lama is identified as somebody who was reborn as a previous Dalai Lama or as a previous noble holy person.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, I can't totally get there. Like Mm -hmm. my brain still tries to understand that right? because then there's other human beings who are meditating and practicing, identify who the person is that was reborn from a previous life.
1: Right, 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 right. But there's the idea
0: that they can connect with that. That's amazing. I guess Mm -hmm. I need to meditate a lot more to get to that.
1: Ample opportunity. You got plenty ample of time here. Yeah well, yeah, well, yeah, actually, we don't maybe. know, but maybe <laughs> TBD. But
0: TBD. Yep, yeah, <laughs>
1: we're, we're, we're assuming so. Okay. We're, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh.
0: And so, um, and so I recently gave a talk because you know I I think that Han again has had a, a, tr- a tremendous impact on the world, mm-hmm. and anyone listening who's lost somebody knows that anyone that they've lost has had a tremendous impact on their world. Yes. And that's important for listeners to connect with, and for me that is that, that drives my passion to do this work because all of us live holding on to something that we suffered from the past or mm-hmm. worry about the future. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's like the underlying, you know, tenant of mindfulness and how to live mindfully. And so when, when it, and then we're afraid of death, mm-hmm. you know, Eastern traditions are not afraid of death. And so frankly, you know, his celebrations, um, have been, you know, ones of celebration. So they've just been honoring him. They've been meditating together, bringing gifts up to the altar. So the plum village tradition has really, you know, done a lot just to celebrate, you know, that life that he had in this body.
1: Well, and, and I'll just add in you wrote the book, you're correct. It's no death, no fear, comforting yeah. wisdom for life. That's the title of the book. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I will say, um, and again, I, I very much like the concept of transition and, yes. um, and celebration though. I also think it's important, you know, when you, cause a moment ago you said, it's not sad, you know, I think a lot of people might listen and go like, so there can be a judgment there. Like, so I'm not supposed to be sad, right. um, you know, that I've, uh, that I've lost somebody. And, you know, this this shows up in other, um, other religious contexts, right? Like I think in a lot of Christian, Christian traditions, there can be a saying of like the person went to heaven, we should be happy that they're there. Right. And so. Right you know, when, when you've lost somebody um, on earth and you're suffering and and you're in the midst of grief that I think sometimes saying it's not sad can be, you know, quite invalidating. And so what, what I would wonder is if maybe tell me if I'm incorrect here, but if, if that concept of not being sad, is it, is it maybe more around like, like allowing the sadness while dialectically recognizing that you never lose the connection, like that doesn't go away that the even though the physical body is no longer here, that that again, whatever one believes—spirit, the spirit, or soul, yeah. or whatever—is still present in, in, yeah. in a literal way. The energy doesn't go anywhere; it just transitions. Or, or am I wrong to understand no. it that way?
0: I mean, it's a dialectic. You're not right yeah. or wrong. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fair enough. T-shirt. I'm going to be running
0: for office soon. I'll never yeah. answer a question. Uh, um, no, I mean, honestly, I think that's your gorgeous Western brain interpreting. Mm-hmm. And and I, so I think it's right. I think it's accurate. Mm-hmm. I think that a tr- a real like these monk practitioners
1: don't feel sadness about with, it.
0: Well, I'm saying it's that's not this, things,
1: like, because they're it's humans, not this, they're yeah.
0: humans still. Yeah. And through all the sitting they do, because, right, you know, b- right. mind you, it's important for listeners to know it's not like, you know. You and I might do do a yoga class every day, or we sure. might do 30 to 60 minutes in a good day.
1: Right, right. These so are like people thousands that are, of hours. These are people million. that
0: are doing like eight to 15 hours a day.
1: Of meditation, of right? Of meditation. Deep, yeah, deep, deep of contemplative just deep, practice. Yeah. sitting,
0: silent. Yeah. So I just want to highlight that because yeah. these are people that, you know, we could, none of us are aspiring to be because we don't have envy.
1: Right. Because uh, well, we have well, not attachment well, but remember, but I think that remember non-attachment is to outcomes, right? So it's like, we can still have envy, right? Because we're humans and we're going to work with that, right? Wouldn't we say it that We would way? say
0: that, but within the, like the four noble truths, yeah, yeah, the practice huh? is about letting go of anything. Yeah. And so, there, yeah. so, so frankly, when my mom or dad dies, I will be sad yes. because they will die and I have attachment when if I sat and if I was a monk and I shaved my head and I was like just living this world, they've gotten to a piece of understanding life in a way mm-hmm. that means that they truly are unattached to anything they mm-hmm. they you know they don't take they don't take um you know vows of like poverty or anything like that but it's really just simple living mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so there's no materials I mean that's where I'm really flawed in a way right because I I, I love Lululemon.
1: But I guess what I would say is I wouldn't say, but that's not, flaw, you know, it's like one of my favorite sayings is like, they're not flaws, they're features, like right. imperfections, right? And so I think like even, so what we're talking about is like, these are, I think it's important, like these are very um, unique and I'm going to say unusual. I don't mean that as a judgment. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like in the span of like 7 billion people, it's very unusual to have the capacity to devote that level of yes. training to letting to i guess I'll say this way to connecting with reality as it is which i know we're always like edging <laughs> up on this edging up on this consciousness Wait, you're not there yet? <laughs> yeah i know no, yeah yeah. so um so i think um that is <laughs> you know so so that's yeah. i think what you're saying is 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 really important to highlight that you know that a lifetime of practicing these contemplative um practices, or I'm saying we're practice again, um, is going to (laughs) impact, yeah, impact one's, uh, one's experience of, of reality and understanding it though. Again, I think we, we all have to be careful not to like, then say, it's just like, we don't feel sad. It's like, we're all like, we do feel like that's our, we're wired to feel sad. The grief has a function, right? Grief, grief connects us. Um, and you know, I think maybe, my, my my understanding at least uh can only speak for myself is that it's just an ability to to um to also celebrate the transition right like to not stay attached to um the concept that our physical bodies you know they're not going to be here forever right they're 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 temporary
0: yeah and again I, I just want you to gently notice that your yeah. western brain is trying to like protect feelings or emotions.
1: Oh, oh oh yeah. No, no, no. A hundred percent. And I but but I think I, I'm more saying it as um I actually don't mean it's so so western. I'm actually just more meaning it as like I guess I'm not I'm not trying to, I'm thinking of it actually in my mindfulness practice of like yeah. this is just what comes up yeah right? and so
0: this is where I always struggle because yeah. we're really intellectual I mean yeah. you're more you're way more intellectual than I'll ever be but <laughs> like <laughs> when I
1: humans do, are humans are we're we're very cognitive
0: we yeah. are very cognitive and so yeah. that's where I struggle because I feel like we try and my teacher is the biggest um, victim of that that's not the word we're, we're really doing good for word finding <laughs> yeah. but He's this is all he does is like so every time he's teaching it's like always linking to like four or five different books like in one talk he'll list, right. link the four or five books. Right. And so I feel like what I'm encouraging listeners to do what I do in my dharma is really encouraging to just like let go of learning. Yeah. You know and to let go of trying to understand because actually so here's a quote on on death from Thich Nhat Hanh which yes, is really helpful. Yeah. Our greatest fear is that when we die we will become nothing. Many of us believe that our entire existence Is only a lifespan beginning the moment we are born or conceived and ending the moment we we die. We believe that we are born from nothing and then we die, become nothing. And so we're filled with fear. So the Buddha was very, so he says, the the Buddha has a very different understanding of our existence. It is the understanding that birth and death are notions, they are Mm -hmm. not real. Mm -hmm. The fact that we think they are true makes a powerful illusion that causes our suffering. The Buddha taught that there is no birth, there is no death. There is no coming. There is no going. There is no same. There is no different. There is no permanent self. Right. And so that's where I want us to get to. And I think yeah. that'll be like a future episode. Cause obviously you and I can talk about this a lot more, can't we?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And and I, um, and I definitely think we should continue the conversation. And I, yes. I love that quote because I think, um, it's interesting. It's like, I, I connect with what, what he's sharing there because it's actually saying like, especially if there's no coming, there's no going. It's like, right. yes, it's just this moment. And Definitely. so I think, so, you know, maybe I'm not being very skilled at communicating it. So what I mean is like, <laughs> well, speaking of the, the limitations of language here, right. That it's like in this moment, whatever that moment is, maybe it's joyful, maybe it's sad, maybe it's neutral. It's like, it's, it's just this, it's just like this. there's, it's just this, that's you know, beautiful. and that's, that's where, where there's freedom.
0: And there don't have to be words, Nikki. And I think that that's what's beautiful too. And I think that's, so you did just say exactly what I want listeners to think about. It's just the sitting, it's just the being, it's just the doing. And, you know, I, I gave a talk on this last week about death and um, we don't have any time for that today, but um, when you, one of the, one of the other teachers referenced it and basically was saying how she had no words other than the fact that after this talk that I gave on death, realized just to sit a little deeper. Mm. And so I, uh, you know, thank you, Nikki, for this. I think clearly we'll have to have another uh, episode that we'll do on death at a certain point. But thank you, Han, for anything. And I'll leave you with this last quote that Nikki brought to us before we started. That Han brought to us: "No mud, no lotus." This has been when East meets West. I'm Dr. Pete Connamo,
1: and I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin. Be present. Be brave.
0: This has been when East meets West. All material is based on opinion and educational training of doctors Pete Canamo and Nikki Rubin.
1: Content is for informational and educational purposes only.